We have a great guest on the show today, but before I tell you about him, let me tell you about Podia. Podia is like an amazing Swiss Army knife for selling anything online. It's an all-in-one digital storefront where you can sell courses, memberships, and digital downloads all in one place. The cool thing about Podia is that they eliminate all of the technical headaches. You don't have to install anything. You can host your sales pages there, your files, your checkout process. You can even do your email marketing and newsletters right from Podia. Fizzle Show listeners get 15% off of Podia for life by signing up for a free trial over at podia.com slash fizzle. That's P-O-D-I-A dot com slash fizzle. Thanks to Podia for sponsoring the Fizzle Show and for supporting independent entrepreneurs like you and me. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our show about earning a living independently doing something you really care about. And our guest today is Ruben Gomez. Ruben is founder and CEO of BidSketch, which is an online proposal service, and also DocSketch, which is an electronic signature and sales document tracking service. And Ruben is one of those guys that I learn from every time we talk. He seems like the smartest guy in the room, always has interesting things to say because he's constantly doing experiments and working on his businesses. Um, which he has been an entrepreneur for quite some time. So I'm excited to talk to Ruben today. Ruben, thanks for being here. Thanks, Corbett, for uh, inviting me. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Ruben, I wanted to start by diving in a little bit on your background because I know that you've been running BidSketch for quite some time. When did you first start BidSketch? Um, I started, uh, I think, somewhere around 10 years ago, almost 10 years or just about 10 years now. And um, at the time... Did you have examples of other people who were running small independent software businesses? At the time, I, it was, um, I remember what I was looking at was a lot of uh, what was around was kind of like shareware sort of apps and people that like in that space. Yeah, shareware. I haven't, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I thought they were doing really cool, interesting stuff. And I was, I really, I just wanted to do what they were doing. Uh, for the most part, uh, there wasn't really much going on with SaaS, uh, which is what both of my uh, products are now. Yeah, you were you were definitely early in the SaaS game. Um, I can't recall. I guess there were. I guess that Basecamp was around by then, by two thousand nine. There was uh, there was FreshBooks and stuff. Uh, in fact, Fresh like that's why I started BidSketch. A friend needed help with the proposal, and I thought, okay, so there's probably something like FreshBooks for proposals. And I looked for it, there wasn't, and I thought, wait a minute, how does this not exist? Uh, and that was, you know, I was looking for a product idea and it was just perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, you didn't have a playbook of any sort at the time. What was going through your mind? Like, what, how were you thinking you would, you would build this thing? There were, uh, there were a couple of blogs that I was following and a couple of books that um, I read. I remember reading one... I can't remember the title exactly. It was something micro ISV something um, was the title is the guy who had um, 
a technical background and he built kind of like a boot, he basically bootstrapped a company and it was like in uh, having to do with uh, code source control or something like that. So mm. I remember reading that and there were some useful tips in there. I remember reading um, Patrick McKenzie's uh, blog um, and he was doing a bingo card creator. Yes. So that was, you know, really useful and interesting. And then Rob Walling, I came across his blog as well. And he was just like in the early stages, buying apps and uh, doing all that. So I started talking to him. So I, I kind of had a, f- a few sources. And by then, I, I realized that I probably should start marketing before I start building a product, even though my background was in development. And that's kind of the approach that I, that I took. So you're saying before you started BidSketch, you had an idea that marketing was really important. You had the sense already that that was something you needed to put first? Yes. Yep. And I didn't really know much about it, but uh, I remember, um, I think SEO was the very first thing that um, I remember sort of reading about that it was effective and trying an experiment and uh, saying, huh, I wonder if it's as easy as it sounds. And I put up a blog, created a page. Uh, targeting some keywords using the Google, what was it called at the time? It's keyword something. <laughs> yeah, the keyword planner tool or something. Um, they renamed it. Yeah. And targeting a keyword, putting up a post, and then about two weeks later, started to get traffic. Like back then it was, you know, it was uh, a little bit easier than it is to start to get traffic and thinking like, whoa, this is, you know, nothing crazy or anything like that, but re- really just being impressed that, these are just people that didn't know me that were visiting the site uh, because of that that post that I put up. Uh, so I was really excited about that. And at the time, um, if you were starting to do marketing before you had the product, what what were you marketing about? What what sort of content were you creating? I think it was mostly like just because it's a proposal tool. It was all around proposals. So it was mm-hmm. very specific to proposals, how to create them, uh, pr- creating proposal templates and stuff like that. But before I did that, I, I kind of asked around and uh, I almost gave up on the idea because I asked around and was trying to feel, trying to find out if it was a good idea, something to build that other people would pay for. Mm-hmm. I remember going into some forums and asking people and the responses were just like, no, we don't, I don't, we don't have, um, I didn't know anything about like interviewing customers or asking people. So it was, I literally went to a forum and, and, Ask the question like, um, I'm thinking about building this thing. Does anyone here have problems with proposals? Uh, if so, what type of problems do you think, uh, do you feel like you're, you're having with proposals? And the responses were just like, nope, no problem, nothing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so that was discouraging. Yeah, very discouraging. And I thought, huh, maybe I shouldn't build this thing. But I kept getting all these other sort of signals that maybe I should um, and I remember emailing, uh, I, re- I emailed Patrick McKenzie too. I asked him about it and he was like, wow, this is a great idea. Build it. Um, so I just got just enough encouragement to do it. Now what I, what I know is that um, I was asking in the wrong place. Not just the way that I was asking was, was off, but uh, the people that I was asking were not the right people. If you ask the wrong people, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, if you ask someone who's actually having problems with it, I, ideally more like just find people that are already talking about it. They're already having problems with it and, and all that. That's interesting. Let's dig into that just a, a little bit, because I know that a lot of people, entrepreneurs have uh, nowadays are aware that they need to be talking to customers. It seems 
you know, more common. People don't just go out and build something. They, they understand that you need to do some research and get closer to your customers and get feedback from people. But it's really hard to figure out how to do that process mm-hmm. and um, also who to talk to and whose who's advice and whose responses you should take seriously and whose you can ignore. Right. Because the, the responses that you get from people are all over the map. Some people seem really excited. Others, others seem like, like you said, like, no, I don't need that thing. That seems useless. Right. And is there a science to this or how do you discern between opinions that you should be listening to and opinions that you shouldn't when you're thinking about building something or when you're thinking about adding a feature or something to your, to your software? So uh, first, it's just realizing that, and I did this a l- little while ago, I was thinking of building something for photographers. My wife is getting into photography, she's using a tool, and it, it wasn't very good, and th- there are no good alternatives, and, and I thought, huh, maybe, you know, these tools are actually doing really well, but they're not very good, maybe I should do something here. So I started talking to photographers, and it's um, always just know that, okay, I'm going to interview photographers. Some of them are just not going to be the right type of photographer or, you know, doesn't matter how you bucket um, the group of people that you're going to talk to. They're just going to be some people that don't fit and um, some people that do have this sort of problem. And then I started talking to like different types. Um, I didn't know much about photography, but uh, you know, newborn photographers, wedding photographers, and, and soon realized that, like, whoa, okay. The problems that a wedding photographer has are kind of, pretty different from a portrait, uh, typical portrait photographer and, you know, product photography and, you know, event photography and all this stuff. So that's, uh, that's part of it. The other thing is it's really easy to trick yourself and to ask questions uh, that will sort of confirm what, what you're wanting to hear confirmed. So instead I like to ask more about the problem and uh, not just directly like, do you have this problem? Um, it's more like exploring. So the very first phases are just like, tell me about this thing. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you schedule your appointments, how you, uh, how you get clients. So just in that process of them telling you that, and then uh, diving into the specifics, okay, so tell me about your last client. You'll get a lot better information. And this is this is where uh, building a product always starts for you, having just having conversations with people, who are potential customers or people who might have the problem that you're looking to solve? Uh, no, the very the very first thing that I do is uh, generally. So this is the, even way back in the day until now, and I did this with Doc Sketch as well. Um, which is, I will go and see: Can I sell this? Can I get traffic for this for this product? So in the way that I like to market, which is generally SEO. Uh, you know, you can sell this sometimes, sell products through partnerships. Maybe it's not my primary channel, but I, I kind of like to have, it's fun for me and I kind of ha- like to have something, um, um, an opportunity at least uh, through that channel. So I'll, I'll go that way and I'll see if there's sort of like, okay, is there an angle? Is there, is there something there? And then from the next step is talking to people. And so what do you mean when you say whether there's an angle there, you talked about SEO. Are you actually like creating content to see if it performs or you're, or you're doing like competitor analysis on it? So I'll, I'll do um, keyword research, but I won't, uh, and I'll look at competitors, but I don't think of competitors as just like, if I'm thinking of building um, 
you know, like with DocSketch, an electronic signature app, there are a lot of competitors. So then typically, you know who the big competitors are. I'll put them in, in the tool and see what they're ranking for um, and uh, look at that as a, one of the starting points. But I also look at who are potential uh, customers uh, and what other types of services or apps or blogs or anything uh, are really, really, really good at getting this type of uh, traffic. So then those are competitors from a, from a, a channel standpoint, right? So in, uh, if we're talking about SEO, um, so it could be just blogs or communities or, or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I will comp- consider those competitors. And then maybe as I've found this several times to, to where in the, like with DocSketch, there's a couple of the ways that we're getting traffic. They're not being done by any of the competitors, direct competitors. Ah, but uh, at all. So no one's doing anything uh, like that. But indirect competitors, people that get the right type of traffic with the right type of intent, uh, that is being done by other types of sites. And it's just exploring it and seeing if there are opportunities there then finding you know, something like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, these types of websites are really good at getting you know, uh, sales teams or whatever. Uh, even though electronic signature apps like DocSketch um, they're not doing anything for that, but maybe I can adopt that process. I see. I see. Okay. So you, you, you want to start by understanding uh, or having an idea of what your content strategy would look like, how you're going to drive traffic to the site and make sure that there are some opportunities there and, and that you can see a path forward. Yeah. I wouldn't even like it. Um, I won't start. So if I, if I explore, I was looking at something uh, around remote teams, right. Uh, a while back. And I did a lot, a lot of searching and, and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find, you know, it just looked really, really, really hard. Um, and so I didn't even start. And when you say you couldn't find anything, you mean it, it looked as though people weren't searching for topics around remote teams, that there, there just wasn't um, an SEO path there to attract people around that idea. Not one that was, uh, that wasn't, really competitive. Ah, I see. Super competitive. So, yeah. Um, either, yeah, it's either like no volume or um, there's volume uh, and it's just too competitive. There are too many people. Um, so a friend of mine a while back was, um, and he had the same, it was funny because he had this a similar approach, but in a totally different way. He was looking at buying an app. So he was negotiating with them. And um, uh, I think it was a SaaS app. And so then he, at the time that I, that I talked to him, he said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do it. And I asked him, why not? He said, because um, I went and I talked to uh, um, you know, my friends and like basically the people that he knows that he's going to partner with that are going to help, help him promote the app. And then uh, he asked them, would you help me promote the app? And they said yes, but they said, really, I'm only saying yes because I know you, you're my friend. It's not something that I think my audience is going to, you know, react really well to, and we're going to sell like normally I probably wouldn't. Mm. And he just got this feel like, Hmm, you know, there was an excitement and uh, he just felt like, yeah, this is going to be a little bit hard, like at least for him, right. Maybe super easy to market through ads or SEO or whatever, but uh, using his strengths, it was going to be harder than he'd wanted. So he kind of just dropped it at that point. So, you mentioned that you had a background as a in software, right? You were you came from tech originally. Yeah, um, sort of. I mean, I got started in tech 
kind of late. I didn't, uh, I didn't have a computer until I was in my 20s. But yeah, that's, uh, I went from a tech job, um, a web development manager, to building my SaaS product. Where I came from. Oh, okay. So you were you were in a tech job as a product manager before? Uh, a web development manager. Web development manager. Okay. I see. I see. And so does that mean that you were doing hands-on work or you were managing people who were doing development? I was managing people, uh, teams of development teams. And then I also like had a, a business analyst, QA team. And uh, so, you know, multiple teams. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, and then at some point you, you started your own thing. Um, and right away you understood that marketing was important at that point, And SEO was the first thing that you stumbled upon that made sense to you and, uh, that you tried and had some success with. Right. And, um, you're using the same sort of approach now, 10 years later, it sounds like as, as you used the, the first time around, would you say that you've changed things significantly? Yeah, but it's, um, it's different. It's a lot harder and, and, you know, nowadays and, and what you have to do to be successful with SEO is just different than it was back then. Mm -hmm. So like high level strategy kind of, um, with, and with BitSketch, I went through early, early, um, a lot of early, uh, tests with different channels. So it was like, uh, some search, then I layered on top, uh, AdWords, then I did, uh, partnerships. And I did uh, integration marketing and stuff like that. So I'm going to do a lot of the same stuff, even though we have, you know, uh, now a good, really good starting point with uh, SEO and content marketing on DocSketch. Um, it's still not, not enough. Um, it's not a good, we could probably build uh, off of just a single channel, but not a really good idea to just depend entirely on one channel. Mm -hmm. Give us an example of, I know that um, you mentioned to me some, types of content that you've had really good luck with for doc sketch, which is in a, a very competitive market, right? It's, yeah. um, there are a lot of e-signature tools out there. Uh, and we can talk about that, I guess, in a little bit as well. But in terms of driving initial traffic to your site, this is the thing that most, um, entrepreneurs, you know, especially when they come from a software background, have trouble with. They can see how to build the product. They can see an opportunity there, but they have no idea how to get people to actually pay attention and to show up and to potentially become customers. And so um, this idea that there are uh, people out there searching for things and you can create content. And if it's good, then Google will put it right in front of them and hopefully they'll end up on your site. That's a pretty cool thing. It's a fairly egalitarian thing as well. Um, which, which is great. You, you make the best content and, uh, and you have good opportunity to get in front of people. So walk us through what you've been doing that you've had luck with over at DocSketch in terms of driving people who are not just visitors, because, you know, we all know that you can, you could write about celebrity gossip and get people to your site, right. but, but qualified people that can actually turn into customers. What kinds of things are you doing over there? Yeah. So the, the intent really matters a ton. So for BidSketch, we, um, we get, uh, good, let's say, half of our traffic from our blog and then half from um, proposal templates and, and other things. Okay. And uh, for the blog, we went, like, initially, sort of writing content, you know, around proposals, like how to write a proposal. And 
you know, how to, how to write a proposal cover page and, you know, things like that, just a really specific. And after a while, it was just like, okay, there's only so much I can write about proposals. Uh, and I heard about like content strategies from, I don't know, other places like um, I think Moz and uh, Buffer and stuff to where they just talked about like, hey, just write about anything that your potential customer could be interested in. And uh, then you'll get a lot of traffic and then get them on the list and nurture them and all that stuff, right? And that's what I did. And that kind of worked, kind of. Like we got, like a lot, most of our blog traffic is that. But intent matters a ton. And that sort of traffic converts way lower, way lower than like anything that we've written that has to do with like how to write proposal um, or how to write a proposal cover page converts way better than most of the other blog content. And so some some people would describe this as like lower in the funnel, I guess, right? Closer to the point of conversion. So not only are these people um, freelancers like that at the top of the funnel for you, if you if your customers are freelancers who need to write a proposal so that they can win a client at the top of the funnel would just be freelancers in general. But that could include everybody who is just getting started, people who already have their problems solved, some people who don't even write proposals as part of their process. It could include everybody. And so when you attract people like that, you're saying they just don't convert to customers very well. No, they don't. Uh, We put them on. We've tried all sorts of different experiments and have improved that, made that better. But if somebody doesn't have that need, even if they're the right type, of a person, uh, meaning they're, you know, they're, they're, they have the right type of business and all that stuff, they're not going to convert into a customer. So I've been a lot more um, with DocSketch, a lot more focused and have just kept that in mind and started really from a bottom of the funnel sort of approach and, and moved up and just thought about intent and how far away are, like anything that we target how far away is it from being a their intent, from being somebody that's going to sign up and use our app and become a customer? Mm-hmm. Everything that we've created has been focused with that. So what's an example of something that someone might be searching for that would show strong intent to potentially become a customer? Um, so like one of the, t- and this is the other thing too, uh, thinking more in topics nowadays versus uh, keywords. Uh, but like, these work pretty well too, surprisingly well, like um, alternative to like when you have really big players like DocuSign, who's like a 400 or $600 million a year company, um, they have a lot of customers and they have a lot of people searching for their brand, but they also have a lot of people not so satisfied with, with the product. Yeah. Uh, they're searching for alternatives. So having pages to where um, we're targeting uh, DocuSign alternative. Uh, these are literally people right, looking, uh, they either tried it or are trying it and just want something different or have been a customer and are just tired of, of using that tool and want something different. So the traffic for that is, is not as much, but it's soup. It's the intent is, is great. It's just perfect. Right. And you've been able to convert customers that way. You find that even though you're biased, obviously, in writing that alternative. Yep. It still is enough to convince a potential customer. Yes, because um, what they're going to do is they're going to uh, find your page. And if it looks like just something that they should try out, they're going to try it out um, and see for themselves, is this better? Is this good enough? And then uh, convert into a paying customer. So uh, that's one example. We have um, 
we have a free tool that's uh, targeting people that are looking to create uh, online signatures. So that's the sort of keyword. You know, tons of variations on that. And that's what mainly our tool does, right? Uh, electronic signatures on, on documents. Um, so that's been increasing more and more. The, the initial, uh, thought we'd be able to get some, somewhere around like 10,000 uniques off of that and stuff. And it started off a little bit slow, but the approach was just, what's the topic? What do we need to build to support this topic? Sort of like a topic clusters uh, sort of approach. Mm-hmm. You have kind of like your pillar page and then your supporting cluster pages that uh, nowadays helps Google sort of know that you're just not creating, you're not a site about, I don't know, camping and you're creating one page about electronic signatures. That's not going to work that well. Generally, you know, you could get lucky, but uh, Google more wants to see that, okay, you, you're, you're kind of an authority on this topic. So uh, we did that with electronic signatures. We saw, okay, these are the pages that we kind of have to build around them. And then this is the main page. And the main page depends on what's ranking in Google. So that's by looking at the top 10. The top 10 from your own site, you mean? No, the top 10. Uh, so if we say the, the topic is online signatures, we don't say, okay, well, people are probably looking for this, or maybe we should create like this, you know, this amazing guide on online signatures, right? We don't say that. We, um, we look at, okay, what's currently ranking Google for top 10, uh, for the top 10 results? Uh, what are they ranking? Then what types of pages are these? So we go through, we say, oh, the first three results are tools. Um, that actually let you draw the signatures. Mm. And, uh, there are two pages that are kind of informational that talk about like how to do that. So, uh, they're not you know, weighing that too heavily. And then the rest are kind of like feature pages or, or home pages for other tools. So it's heavily favoring tools. Yep. We need to build a tool. So it's mainly about going with the flow. So if I we see. would have found uh, just a bunch of guides, all right, that's what we need to do. Right. It's harder to rank when you when you do something differently than what they're favoring. And um, is this the kind of thing that uh, you're heavily involved with yourself, or are you able to hire writers to help out with this sort of thing? So uh, for like the the tool itself, or any of their pages, it's similar to to what I did with the tools, which was I do the the initial uh, exploration. I. I I figure out, okay, these are the topics that we want to cover. And basically for us, like electronic signatures, um, there are a couple, it's, it's about like, what are the topics for our product that we should own, that we should be in? It should be electronic signatures. That's another topic, which, which it is when we created pages for that. Um, and then what's related to that? I wouldn't have necessarily thought of online signatures, but I saw that that was, you know, that was related. You could see that in like people also search for, or, um, you know, at the bottom where Google kind of has, um, other terms that people may be using to try and, you know, yep. find things related to that. So, so then I'll do the, that, and then I'll map out what do we need to build? And then I'll do like an outline, uh, and then I'll hand it off and outsource the writing. Okay. I am a very slow, uh, writer. So it's, it is like, pulling teeth, even the tool, I have a de- development background, but I hired somebody on Upwork. So I sort of like wireframed it use, using Balsamic. Uh, and then probably on development costs, it was maybe like around $1,000 to add that to the marketing site. So pretty neat tool act, uh, compared to what was out there. 
lets you, you know, do some stuff that I would have found a little bit tricky to do myself as a developer. Yeah. I found somebody pretty cheap that was able to kind of do some of this stuff and then added it. Somebody who had uh, good skills on the sort of front end also to make it look nice and spend a little bit like around, uh, I said uh, around a thousand dollars and promoted that like uh, any of the content that we put out, even if it was like a guide or um, anything else, promote that like if it's a book, right? So create less content, but the content that we're creating, we spend way more time promoting. And how would you, how would you promote something like that? So for the tool, it's like anywhere where you promote tools, right? Uh, like Product Hunt and places yeah. like that. Okay. A lot of the tools that are out there, especially if they're geared towards SEO, they're, they're clearly geared, geared towards SEO and they have that feel to it and it's hard to promote that. And nobody that sees them uh, would want to sort of recommend them or promote. Right. You mean when it's content as opposed to a tool? Or even a tool. Like yeah. a lot of these tools are just like, okay, hmm. Yeah, I know what they're going for here. And really, no one's going to promote these tools because while they technically do what they're supposed to do, you know, it's sort of, I don't know, it's missing something mm -hmm. like the human side or something. So and and this tool, um, is this the kind of thing that just has incredible ROI? You mentioned that you spent, you know, several weeks on it probably. And then and then you farmed it out and paid a developer to do it yeah. for a thousand dollars or so. Uh, is this the kind of thing that, that you can see the returns on pretty quickly? Uh, so it takes about three months to four months to start seeing some traffic from it. Like depends. It could be faster. Yep. And I say three months or four months from when you start getting links. Right? Mm. So, and that's on the promotional side, right? So putting up on product hunt, getting some and other stuff like that, getting links that way. Uh, doing guest posting to promote the tool and link to it within the guest posts on legit blogs and sites. That's more promotion, but it's kind of time consuming, but worth it if it's the right sort of, you know, and I saw that, oh, I think we can get around 10,000 uh, uniques a month from it. Uh, and we released that I think in like March or April this year. Right now it's, uh, I was going to say August, it's September. It's going to, I think this month is going to do 60,000 uh, uniques. Yeah, that tool. Wow. So that's that's an amazing return. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I um I would have been happy with ten thousand, right? That's yeah, what I, that's what I was going for. But it's sometimes it's hard to tell how much you're really going to get, and when something hits really really nicely. So on the yeah, other side, I have something for electronic signatures, and it's more of a feature page, product page, and that was released more recently, um, and it's. I'm not happy with it. So this is the other thing that we're doing too, is we're iterating on stuff, almost like a product, like a thing, right? Iterating on the content pieces or the whatever yeah. you're publishing. This is a lot harder to promote and, um, and get links for. You can do it through guest posting. Then a tool or something uh, that's way more shareable because it's more of a, like what Google fa is favoring is more like a feature sort of page, like um, uh, almost like a landing page type thing, right? So find something that's, that's a little bit more shareable and we're iterating on this, but um, it's taking time and it's about month three now. It's starting to see some traffic. There's about the same potential as the online signature one, but it's not picking up in quite the same way. So I'm going to iterate on it. I'm going to do some more promotion and going to work on something, really spend a little bit more time thinking of something that just has more of a shareable angle for that page, but still is in line with what Google's favoring. 
So um, it doesn't always work that way, but mm-hmm. I'm sure at the very least we'll, you know, end up getting, like, even if it doesn't work out, we'll probably get, end up getting a couple thousand uniques a month on it. And so uh, when you're coming up with experiments like this and, or ideas for content or things that you want to publish to attract search traffic, and you know that they're going to take three or four months to pay off, like that's an incredible amount of patience that you have to have and dedication to it. And I, I would imagine that a lot of people who are just getting into SEO probably give up before then. Yep. They, they don't, they wouldn't go through this iteration process uh, they might only choose one thing to try. And when that doesn't work, they just assume that SEO doesn't work right. in general. You luckily have the benefit of having started at a time where it was quicker to get results. You might put something up and see some results a couple of weeks later. So you've seen how that process works from start to finish. Right. And I have belief that it's going to work. Like if we just do this process, this will eventually work up to a certain level. Yeah. Yeah. And so... What should newbie entrepreneurs do? Do you recommend that they go after SEO like this? Is this too difficult a process for somebody who's just getting started? How how would you go after things if you you were just starting out? I don't know. I would I would uh, I I wouldn't say it's too difficult. I think um, I think I'd go for the the stuff that's less competitive. So you can use tools like uh, Hrefs uh-huh. that will kind of tell you how many links you need. Uh, for something to show up in the top 10. And I would sort of like build confidence and start with stuff like lower hanging fruit, the stuff that's a little bit really geared towards like bottom of the funnel. And a lot of that bottom of the funnel stuff where you have buyers actually actually searching for products, some of it is super competitive. Like if you look at AdWords, people are paying like a ton of money for it because right. know, buyers and stuff. But you'd be surprised how many of those, especially if there's not a ton of traffic, are not competitive at all. Um, and I think those are really good starting points. So I would still encourage it, but maybe it's not the right, it's not the main approach for a product or for a thing that you're marketing. So always keep that in mind and still experiment with other stuff that might, that might work better. So even, even now for, um, I feel pretty confident in like, okay, if we do this thing in this way, we'll get some traffic from it. So I did that with contracts. We have sample contracts that are also getting us some good traffic. We have the tool. We have a few other pages, but the contracts was the first thing. Uh, and I put that up and I remember thinking like, huh, it was about month three, about month four. And I started to like question like, ah, I don't think this is going to work. Why isn't it working? And same thing for the tool, exact same thing for every, <laughs> it's almost every single time around that three to four month mark, I start to question myself like, huh, maybe it didn't work for this. Mm-hmm. Then I'll start to pick up and like I'm doing it now for electronic signatures you know, to where I'm like, hmm, this one's harder. I'm not sure exactly why, but need to iterate and stuff. Um, so just going back to your question about like if you're new, it is a little bit tough in that you have to kind of, you have to know that it's, and it's tough. You have to know that it's, it's going to take a little bit of time before it works. But I also kind of like, that's why I like, the approach that we're taking like with the free tool to where it's like we also promote through like guest posts through like getting on podcasts through um like doing ads for it do through um you know uh product hunt and other places because these are all places that are sending us traffic while it picks up mm. okay so while you're waiting for the seo and you've 
invested time into a great piece of content or into a tool or something that um, you believe will naturally get traffic eventually. During the few months leading up to that, you're looking for opportunities to drive traffic to that thing in other ways, either by being a guest on someone else's blog or podcast or um, by maybe paying for traffic as well in some cases. When you're paying for traffic or uh, being a guest on someone else's show, are you hoping that that's going to lead to links that then will eventually lead to the SEO? Yeah, so um, links are you know um, generally included with all of that stuff. So it's it's sort of like, okay, this will help SEO, but at the same time, in the short term, this is we're, gonna, we're going to get some traffic for it through that way. It's like, um, instead of like this outreach sort of approach of, of like getting links, which can work really well too, but it's harder and harder. I get these emails all the time of people like, you know, hey, um, you know, I read your post. It's wonderful, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you can tell right away that they've never actually read your post and that they just sent a hundred of these yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I can, I, I literally just open them up. I see the like one link and then two links to, I see the format. I didn't even read the content and I just delete immediately because yep. I know what it is, but I kind of like the approach of, of, it's more like a PR sort of approach, light PR, not like a big company PR sort of thing, but you know, literally like if you wrote a book, you're going around and promoting the book. Um, if it's a, an important topic for your product, like electronic signatures is really critical and important for a product. Um, we're going to spend the amount of time to promote that content, the, you know, the, the pages and the stuff that we created the, for, for that topic in the same sort of way, the amount of time and money and, and resources. As you would if you were promoting a book or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of always been kind of fun, fun to me to where like, and I kind of get it, I guess, to where people will write a book and then they'll go around, they'll do a podcast tour, they'll do a bunch of guest posts and they'll you know run ads and all that stuff. But with their content, it's like put a published content and then, you know, tweet about it. Then that's kind of it. And then move on. Yeah. Yeah. So have you seen, uh, or do you still do any of that more traditional link outreach sort of stuff? Or do you rely mostly on trying to be a guest on, on other people's shows and, and writing guest content and so on? Um, so for doc sketch, I haven't done too many of the podcast thing. It's been mostly like guest posting, answering questions on Q and a forums, you know, Q and a forums. Are like, like on Quora, for example, Quora's still kind of like depends. We've, we've done it for different products, but it's surprisingly still pretty damn good. Like the traffic, you don't get a ton of traffic from it, but the traffic you get is just converts well. It always surprises me. And do the you feel like the links that you get from Quora help at all with SEO? A little bit. Those are like um, like supplemental, like uh, just user generated content, and so it's it's not the same as editorial. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like the main. You can't just solely rely on that. But I kind of like that as like the little bit of extra, like all these signals that. Google is getting that shows that like, this is a legit thing. It's not just all core stuff pointing to this, but it's like, oh, uh, guest post stuff. And, and um, maybe like there's some social stuff and then maybe there's like, you know, uh, some stuff from Quora, Reddit, uh, some weird random forums <laughs> yep. that are all pointing to this and all that kind of together helps. It's just more, a more balanced Thing. Um, and it's just part of like just promoting this piece of content. 
Like I also look at like the top 10 results and then see where they're linked from using like a tool like Ahrefs. And then, and a lot of the forum ones come up from that because it'll mm-hmm. be just like some random person in a forum that I've never heard of asking like, oh, uh, what do you guys use for your client contracts to get them signed? Then people answering, it's like, oh, I can go in there and, and, you know, mention my product and try to do it in a way to where I'm giving value, right? So we've spent um, a lot of time talking about SEO already, and uh, I feel like we could talk for hours, but I'm curious, how much of your time do you spend focused on trying to attract potential customers versus working on the product? And where do you see entrepreneurs who succeed spending their time and where do you see entrepreneurs who fail spending their time? And is there a difference there? Um, I would say that... I go back and forth between product and marketing. It's basically, you know, we have a software product, so the software product has to be good, especially in a competitive space. It has to deliver on its promise. So there are tons of stuff to do, like from like continuously iterating and refining, like what's our angle? Like, you know, how are we getting people in? What, what's the promise we're making to them? How are we doing that faster, better? How are we activating users? So right now, recently, I've been really focused on, on that side of things, less so on the marketing side, because I'm sort of leading both. I'm leading kind of product and I'm leading marketing. I find myself really jumping back and forth between. So I'll spend a few months on marketing and I'll batch a bunch of work and stuff and uh, do all that. And then I'll jump back to product and batch a bunch of stuff, do a, a bunch of work there um, and then jump back and forth. So you, I have a lead developer and all that stuff, but he's not going to make a lot of, you know, um, product decisions uh, having to do with like, how do we activate users and uh, what features do we build in what order? Mm-hmm. Um, and on the, on the marketing side, I work with a lot of contractors and stuff too, because it's just me leading this. There's no way I'm going to be, you know, creating a bunch of content and tools or whatever it is that we need uh, for the marketing side. So um, I feel like I feel like you kind of have to do both instead of just like say, well, it has to be mostly just marketing uh, the main thing and you know, or the product. It's all about the product. Truly, having uh, a, a product that's good helps you know and, and has a good angle and all that stuff. It helps make the marketing easier. Yeah. But without the marketing, like good luck. Like unless you get lucky, unless it goes viral or something like that. Right. You know? some reason. Um, good luck. So I feel like uh, people that, that actually execute and get work done are the ones that I see being more successful. Uh, however it is that you need to do that. I know some people that are really good with like in the early stages, especially just kind of doing it all themselves. Maybe they're not technical or whatever. So they have somebody technical filling in that, that part. For me, I, I like the approach of just kind of like I do both sides or all the sides that I can, but I augment a lot with like just outsourcing what I do, mm-hmm. you know, and now kind of like lead the effort is what I'm, what I'm mainly doing. Set the strategy, help people define what, what they're going to be doing and then, and then let them go and execute. Yeah. Even when I was, um, when it was, uh, so I had more resources, you know, to do that now, but even when I was, didn't really have much, I went super, 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 super cheap. And even now, I'll still go pretty cheap for a lot of stuff until like I know I, it can work and then you know, try to upgrade that, iterate that, make that better. 
And what do you mean? How how would you go cheap on something in terms of who you're hiring or how how much? Yeah, who I'm hiring, right? How much budget I'm 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 going to spend with something? Yep. You know, I I know people that will spend a lot of money for everything. So when you're when you're just like dipping your toe in the water on something new, instead of using your core team, expensive resources, you'll go out and find a, a, a contractor to do it for cheap. Right. Exactly. Where do you find people like that usually? Uh, Upwork a lot. So uh, like we had, we have this uh, idea of like some, there are a lot of people that are signing up that don't have um, contracts for, but we want them, we want them to see the value of the product. We want them to onboard. So we're starting them with, we did a test, tight form, super cheap, free tool. Uh, the sign up form on the homepage goes to a type form. Then the answer questions, do you have a, a document now to send? Yes, no. If they say no, um, do you want a sample agreement? Yes. Then when they sign up, we start them up with the sample agreement. There's something in the URL and the sign up button. Yep. Um, so the sample agreement, the first version of it was super like sample agreement. This is not a real agreement. Blah, blah, blah. Then a friend of mine said, you should do some fun agreements that uh, people, you know, be could actually use. Yeah. Well, not even uh, could actually, because there's so many, these are people in so many different industries. Mm. You know, it's hard to do that, but at least something that they'll remember that's, um, that's clever, that's different. So then, uh, like had a, some ideas for, okay, we could do some sort of like themed agreements. Right. So, uh, like a, uh, the one that just got finished up is like an, an area 51 NDA. So went to Upwork, did a project, did several of these, uh, had like people that, you know, are creative writers, comedy writers like submit uh, different types of agreements, ideas, run it past the team, what do they like, and had them create for like $30 each, $40 each, uh, super cheap. I didn't like do the work. I didn't even do the thinking on the ideas. Right. I like this and that's it. So it's a similar approach. Yeah. Versus like if you had someone on your team do this project, they might spend three days on it or a week on it and it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars as opposed to a one-off project. And, um, you know, maybe you don't have those uh, exact skills on your team anyway. So in this case, you're saying um, when someone goes to DocSketch and you say, do you have an agreement already or not? They say no. Would you like a sample agreement? Now, instead of just sending them some boring like boilerplate, you send them over an NDA for Area 51 as if like they're going to go see aliens or right, something. Right. So so they're going to remember this and and have, yeah, a, an affinity for Doc Sketch instead of it just being like everything that they come across where they, they just forget about it because it doesn't make an impression. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's 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 a great example. Um, I'm, I'm curious about getting into an industry like doc sketch because there are other massive established players in this space. And I think a lot of people who are planning to build business worry about getting into a competitive space. They mm. think that you're supposed to go out and find something that's kind of new and hot. And there aren't a lot of, um, players in already. Yeah. What led you to that decision? And how do you see the pros and cons versus, you know, jumping into an established ecosystem with players versus jumping into something that's sort of new and unproven? Yeah. So I've done both. Uh, and I've never, I had never before doc sketch, I hadn't gotten into a space that was super competitive like this one is, but it was, I always kind of wanted to, and I was curious about that because when I did it with bit sketch, we basically kind of created the category 
And uh, there are a lot of things that are nice about doing that uh, from a competitive standpoint and sort of like once you start getting traction and all that stuff. But there are also a lot of, um, it's tough. It's not that easy because there are no examples and you're mm-hmm. constantly questioning yourself. Like, are we even, is this the right approach? Is somebody else going to build something that's better, that's going to hit just right. And we're just off the mark and do much better. Uh, how big is this market? Like, you know, so many questions just come throughout the years, really a lot harder than, than it sounds when you don't have examples and you don't know how big and anything can get. Uh, and going uh, to the electronic signature space with DocSketch, like I said, um, have like DocuSign, you know, several hundred millions of dollars a year. You have a lot of other competitors. Them having plugged them into Ahrefs, see where they're getting traffic, uh, listen to interviews from people that work for them, see how they're getting customers. So many examples, so many things that we know people are buying. We know they want this. We know what type of customers are buying uh, in what industries. We know what, go to G2 Crowd, go to Captera, read reviews. What are the customers like? What are they, they don't like? What are the gaps? What can we do better? Like, yep. there's so much, so much useful information out there. And I, I really like that part of it. So the part, the part that's hard is standing out and, and building something that's different, unique, or you know, um, innovating in some area. Like we're innovating on the t- on the channel side, actually, um, as well as you know, somewhat on the product side. So there are trade offs, uh, but I'm actually liking uh, this a lot more because there's just there's so many things that are that are easy um, compared to when you're just doing it from scratch. And do you, do you feel like for a, a newer entrepreneur, is that also a smart choice to to try to get into an established market and then stand out somehow versus trying to get into a brand new market or even create something that hasn't been done before? So there are two ways to sort of like stand out or, or grab a segment. It, that's what you're really doing. You're grabbing a segment of the market. And I would say like the niche down sort of approach would probably be better for somebody who's starting out like so even if you're going into a big market basically yep. identify a segment of that market and sort of hack that ah and make a product specifically for them yes like something that the, the big players are sort of missing find an opportunity there so i think i think yeah i really like um, going after markets where there's a lot going on but finding what the, where those opportunities are and seeing if there's an unidentifiable segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the example that I'm sure we've used a lot and and that you've heard is um, ConvertKit with Nathan Barry focusing on bloggers with uh, email software as opposed to just you know the market in general. With DocSketch, was there some sort of initial group that you focused on? Uh, no, we're pretty wide open. Um, we initially were looking at sale, like sales documents mm-hmm. as our initial angle. And that's where we, where we were heading. So this would be like sales teams, agencies, consultants. And we just saw from just like a marketing standpoint and like people that we're talking to that for us, given like our skill set and our strengths and all that stuff, we can go wider, we can go more horizontal. And then really my, my plan now is once we get a little bit more traction, look at our top customers and then uh, see if we should sort of resegment and go deeper after those top customers, but kind of leaving it wide open because we don't know where the best opportunities are just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruben, you've been an entrepreneur now for a decade plus, and uh, you've learned a lot, I'm sure, about yourself, and you've seen the ecosystem change quite a bit. If you were 
relatively new and starting out and you have, you know, there are so many things to focus on, right? We've, we've talked about just the difference between product and marketing and how you have to switch between those two. But then within each of those, you have to focus on a lot of different things, you know, and right. in marketing, you have to focus on acquisition and then conversion uh, within the product itself. You have to obviously build the thing, have the features that people want, but then you have to onboard. Um, we haven't even talked about branding and positioning and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. So there's, there's just an overwhelming amount of things that you have to do as a new entrepreneur. If you are going to give people three things, don't forget these three things, keep these in mind and keep like, wake up every day and think about these three things. And every week plan out that you need to be focusing on these three things. What, what would those be? It could be, it could be two, it could be 10. I, you know, I'm just saying, what are the things that you would dwell on and make sure that you got right. And then if you got those right, the other pieces would be more likely to fall in place. So I think, um, I've heard this in a lot of different forms and ways, but it's super valuable. And I think it's a, a thing that I see a lot of people that are newer, especially uh, missing. And the reason why their products are sort of dragging on and they're having one of the big reasons why it's such a tough time. And it's, um, it's this thing about like tapping into the existing demand mm. versus, you know, I think copywriters put it this way, instead of trying to create demand, uh, you're just basically finding where the demand is and you're serving that, you're tapping into that. So I think that's super powerful stuff. I think that's huge. Like I would 100% just keep that in mind. The other thing is when you get stuck or when things get really tough, a lot of the times the answers or the breakthroughs are coming from your customers or existing audience or people that you want to become customers. So a lot, a lot of times when we're just having trouble, let's say uh, improving retention or uh, increasing activation or getting signups or even getting traffic or just like, where do we start? The answers are with the people that you're trying to create a product for that you're trying to. So going back happens all the time, like either, um, doing research like from what people are saying in forums and all that stuff, or um, I like a lot just jumping on customer um, phone calls and doing having conversations with them. And almost all the, all the time, every time, it's one of the best ways to get unstuck and to know what to do next. Surprising every, every single time uh, that works out. Ruben, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been amazing. Uh, if people want to find you somewhere, where, where's the best place for them to do that? Thanks for inviting me. Twitter, I guess. Uh, I'm not super active on there, but uh, I do have a Twitter account, Earthling Works, then, uh, you know, DocSketch or BitSketch. Fantastic. All right, Ruben, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me. To all you listeners out there, thanks to you for being here. If you liked today's episode, would you leave us a review or tell somebody about the show? We depend on listeners like you to help us get the word out, and a review or referral is the best way to show your appreciation for the show. As always, you can find the full show notes over at fizzleshow.co. That's F-I-Z-Z-L-E-S-H-O-W dot C-O. I'm Corbett Barr, and until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. Fizzle Show.